2: That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
0: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. You are listening to RotoViz Radio, a fantasy football podcast with your host, Matthew Friedman.
3: Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F the Oracle of the Action Network in viz Welcome to a special edition of Roto-Viz Radio. Today we are talking about the Washington Redskins. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I am interviewing beat reporters for every franchise. 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I'm joined by Mark Bullock of the Washington Post, where he covers the Redskins and the NFL. In this episode, he talks with us about the transition from quarterback Kirk Cousins to Alex Smith, the state of the team's pass catching unit, and what the Redskins ultimately plan to do in the first couple rounds of the draft. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners only 30% discount to a RotoViz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all the premium NFL content on the site and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show Mark Bullock of the Washington Post. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL, where he provides up to the minute news on everything to do with the Washington Redskins. Mark, thanks for taking the time to talk with us.
1: Uh, No worries. Thanks for having me on.
3: Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, Before we started recording, you were telling me about uh, how it is that you became an NFL fan, uh, given that you are originally from the UK. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, it, it all started uh, when I was a kid. Uh, my, my dad's job took us out to the states as a family, um, and I, I lived out there for for five years, um, and, and kind of grew up on on U.S. sports. And then moved back here um, to the UK uh, after after that, and and kind of fell out of touch with, with all of U.S. sports for a little bit, and then. Um, it started to pick up again on, on TV, and, and more games were being shown on, on TV and stuff, and that that got me back into it. Um, and then from there, it just kind of was a bit of a landslide, and once you start getting into it, and the NFL kind of drags you in, and you really get involved with it and start on blogs and what have you, and then it gets picked up, and suddenly I'm contributing to the post. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of my story of getting into the NFL.
3: Yeah, that's a fantastic story. Well, let's uh, let's get into the the uh, the, the outline here. But I'm, I'm gonna I say that, and then I'm about to go off the outline. Um, <laughs> well, so, I think like the the big story of free agency has been that uh, Kirk Cousins is no longer with the Redskins. He's now with another team. That means Alex Smith is with the Redskins. But before we talk about Alex Smith, can we talk about the absence of Kirk Cousins? What do you think that he has meant to the franchise over the last three years, and what do you think his absence means for the team now?
1: Yeah, um, he's he brought in certain terms. He brought stability um, after what happened with Griffin and and all the reported fallout between the front office and and the Shanahan's and Griffin, um, and that all kind of got completely wiped out, and and then Kirk Cousins was kind of. Just the guy to to kind of bridge to when they got someone else, and then he, he played relatively well in, in Jay Gruden's system and and managed to um put put some good numbers out there, and then obviously they had the back-to-back franchise tags, and so that it it wasn't stable in that they were still going year to year on deals, they didn't have anything long-term worked out, but in terms of the quarter having the quarterback set for the past two or three seasons um it has brought them some stability and and he's been fairly reliable on on the kind of quarterback that he is and being able to run the offense relatively efficiently uh, efficiently so um he he brought them some form of stability at uh, the most important position in football so um it certainly was uh, it, it was it was an odd situation um and and losing him does somewhat lose that stability but as you said they they they've brought in alex smith and, and they quickly signed him up to a long-term deal so um i suppose they're hoping that that will bring them that stability and and with with a, a long-term contract in mind as well they'll they'll have that stability for not just on the field but off it as well
3: so you recently wrote a piece about how washington might use more run pass options with smith as the quarterback can you talk about that piece a little bit
1: Sure. Um, the basis of that piece was, um, in, in Kansas City, um, particularly at the start of the year, every, everyone was, um, raving about how they were running the, all the RPOs at the run pass options, um, and with, with Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey and Alex Smith was under center running it all and, and Kareem Hunt was in the backfield. Um, and, um, they, they had lots of different innovations that we hadn't necessarily, we have We've seen some of it in the NFL before um, obviously uh, with the the Redskins ran it themselves with with r g three when he was quarterback um, in in two thousand um, and twelve um and then chip Kelly ran it with the eagles um, it, when when he entered the NFL as well so it's not something that's completely new, but it 's not something that had taken the NFL by storm quite as much as it had this year and um, they're they're a very good place for not only Getting the ball out of the hands of the quarterbacks quickly and making easy completions, but also opening up running lanes um, by having a positive box count where the the defense doesn't have enough defenders in the box to account for all the blockers and the running back. So it's um, it's a it's a good little scheme, um, and, and it's something that you can run relatively often and and help get both the running game and the quick passing game on track. Um, and and with with the Redskins it's not something they they've run particularly often under Gruden um, but they have just promoted um, their quarterbacks coach Kevin O'Connell to passing game coordinator and Kevin O'Connell was the quarterbacks coach for Chip Kelly in San Francisco so he has some experience running the 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 Chip Kelly scheme with with the spread offense and and the RPOs and all of that kind of stuff so um, and then obviously with with adding Alex Smith, who who ran a ton of RPOs with Kansas City, you, you have two guys with with a good deal of experience in running those type of schemes, um, and and they should be able to uh, translate and, and help the Washington offense run similar things.
3: So Alex Smith now has the long-term contract. Uh, I'm still wondering, though. I mean, he. He always seems like the perpetual uh, bridge quarterback for, for someone in waiting. And I'm wondering, given that this is a pretty decent quarterback class, well, or I mean, you might disagree with that, but in, in terms of the, the incoming uh, quarterback prospects, there are a number of them who are intriguing to a lot of draft evaluators. Do you think the Redskins still, maybe not with the first-round pick, but do you think the Redskins still could look to the draft to take a quarterback potentially of the future?
1: Uh, possibly. I I don't think it's particularly likely with an early pick. Um, it it would be sort of a a day three pick, um, and probably a later pick if they were to take one. Um, I I know that they have been, uh, very heavily linked with Richmond quarterback, uh, Kyle Aleta. Um, I think that's how you pronounce, pronounce his name. I'm not sure. Um, and, and that, a lot of that comes from, um, Redskins team president, Bruce Allen, is a Richmond Richmond guy. Um, so he's very, very familiar with, with letter. So um, I know they have had plenty of interest in him, but he seems to be a guy that um, might go earlier than they can afford to take a quarterback. Um, with, with the contract they've given Smith, yes, he has been kind of the bridge guy to the next quarterback. But with, with the contract they've given him, it, it seems to be... He's going to be the guy for at least the next two or three years. So I would think if they do want to draft that kind of the next guy um, to be the quarterback of the future, it would be something that would happen probably a year or two down the line rather than this year.
3: Let's look at at the pass catchers. So Terrell Pryor, uh, who was amazingly disappointing last year, he is gone. Ryan Grant is gone. Paul Richardson is in, so that has a uh, it leaves a unit of Jamison Crowder, Josh Doxon, Paul Richardson. How do you see that unit shaking out?
1: Uh, I think there's plenty of potential in that unit, but there are still plenty of questions to be answered. Um, it, it's it's quite a young unit. Um, they they really really like what Paul Richardson brings to them, which is the deep threat that they, they lost when Deshaun Jackson left last year in free agency um, and. Deshaun Jackson. Gruden was fantastic in the way he used Deshaun Jackson to not only take shots deep, but to open things up underneath for uh, the guys like Jordan Reed and, and Jameson Crowder. They, they profited massively off of um, Deshaun Jackson just running a deep post or a go route and, and taking a safety with him. So um, they're, they're excited about Paul Richardson bringing that deep factor and, and the speed factor back to the offense um, but Jameson Crowder had, had somewhat of a down year last year um, he was asked to move outside and try to take over Deshaun Jackson's role um, and then eventually that didn't really pan out and and he was kicked back inside to the slot where he looked a lot more at home and a lot more comfortable and I think I think that's his position and, and he's he's very very good in the slot um i think they'll probably leave him there um josh doxton has some questions to be answered obviously he has tons of potential he was he was a first round pick um and he looks like he's going to be playing their ex ex receiver position um so he's going to be looked to be potentially a little bit more of a possession guy than a, a deep ball guy but that being said he's he's well-known for his highlight reel catches of jumping over defenders and going up and getting the ball and high pointing it and that sort of thing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he develops because while he's been great at, at doing those spectacular catches, he, he's had some drops and some, some le- more routine plays that haven't quite come up for him. Um, so he, he, he still needs some, a little bit of development and um, it, he will be kind of key to see how this whole receiver group plays out this year. If he, if he takes the next step and becomes the guy, then everyone else looks better. But if he doesn't, then it will be a lot of pressure on, on Crowder and, and Richards in the free agency acquisition, to uh, step up and make the numbers.
3: Alex Smith has traditionally not been a guy who throws deep all that often, and one of the things that was really interesting about Smith last year was his willingness to throw it deep more frequently uh do we think with paul richardson uh as the the potential deep threat player in this offense that we will continue to see smith have willingness to throw the ball downfield
1: Uh, i think they certainly hope so um i I think that was a big part of why they they made the trade to go and get him um was because he was he was so willing to throw it down down the field last year and, and statistically he was one of the better deep ball throwers last year um and as you say it's not typically been a, a trait of his career but he's also been through multiple different offenses where he's learned gets one year to learn the scheme and then a, a new coordinator comes in or he um he hasn't had in, in Kansas City he had the went the longest time without having any real number 1 receivers um so it was only this year when they they finally had Tyreek Hill as a as a proper deep threat that they were finally able to go deep um and i think the, the one of the reasons why Gruden was a little bit frustrated with Kirk cousins was cousins was a little bit more conservative and and this year he did a better job of of taking more shots down the field but when he had the likes of Sean Jackson going down the field he didn't take them as often he would often pass up on them even though you know that he had a pretty good chance that he had a step on his on on his defender and he probably could have hit that deep ball but he he didn't trust himself to make it so um i I think that would be the, one of the big reasons why they're so excited about Alex Smith is because he was so good on the deep ball last year. Gruden knows he can scheme guys open deep. It's um it's whether he can have a quarterback that can is willing to take those shots and then can hit those shots. And what we saw from Alex Smith last year is he is that guy. But is last year the exception um to the rule? We're not sure. Um, but they, they certainly hope that he'll continue from from what he did last year.
3: So for the past few seasons, whenever Jordan Reed has been healthy, a lot of the offense has funneled through him, but he is rarely healthy. And uh, I guess the Redskins are fortunate in that they have Vernon Davis, who is a very competent, even if he's an aging uh, backup or number two tight end at this point in his career. Uh, but is there any <laughs> any sense on how Jordan Reed is progressing uh, in any sense at all? if he's someone that they can depend on.
1: Well, Gruden has come out and said this off-season that they're they're trusting Reed to be healthy and they're expecting him to be fully healthy going into train camp and the season. Um which is which would make a nice change from last year. He 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 ended last season injured um and going into last off-season he he was injured as well. Um and he never really got over that injury and and kind of last year was was a washout for him. Um, as you said, he's such a big part of the offense, and and Jay Gruden says constantly just how important he is and how the offense really funnels through him. Um, so it, it it would be huge to have him back from from injury. But he's he's had such a long list of injuries throughout his career. It's it's tough to say that you could rely on him for an entire season. Um, but it, if you can get 10 to 12 games of him fully healthy, I think you'd be pretty happy with that. Um, and the indication so far is they're expecting him to be back fully healthy going into training camp, um, which is about as as positive a sign as we can get at this point of the year.
3: Let's talk a little bit about the running backs. So Doug Williams, uh, Washington's senior vice president of player personnel, uh, he said that the team needs to upgrade the running back position. Uh, if you look at the group that they have, Chris Thompson is a very productive player on a per-touch basis, but it's questionable as to the extent to which they can really give him a lot of touches in any given game. Uh, Rob Kelly and Samaje Pirine, uh, big-bodied guys who might not be as athletic as they would want their lead back to be. What do you think of the group that they have there, and are they looking to improve that position through the draft early in the process?
1: Yeah, I I think the the idea is that uh, an early pick probably you're probably looking at second round but potentially even first round pick would be used on a running back. Um they both Gruden and Doug Williams have has have emphasized the need to um get a, a lead guy in there. Um the the way the Redskins have 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 always split the running back um touches um or snaps. Um, has always been Chris Thompson's been the sort of third back, uh, third down back, um, and, and the kind of receiving back out of the backfield, and, and they trust him to to block uh, in protection and and that kind of thing. But they, because of his injury history, they they don't want to give him too many touches, as you said. So he's kind of not the guy on first and second down, um, and they've not really had the that guy to to go to and and trust on first and second down. Um, they 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 drafted Samaj P last year in the, in the fourth round and they hoped he could be that guy but he didn't quite develop as as they expected him to um, and they've been rather open with saying that they they need a running back and and they want to take one early um, and I I don't I don't know if thirteen is a little bit too high to to draft a running back possibly possibly not um, but certainly if they if they don't go running back at thirteen then um, I, I think it would be pretty high on the list of, of guys that they want at um, in their second round.
3: Are there any running back prospects in particular who stand out as guys you think would do really well in the system that they have there in Washington and that you could see as being targets in the second round range?
1: Yeah, um, if... Darius Geis is the, is the one that they've, they've been linked to most recently, um, and he's someone that could potentially go higher than their second-round pick. Um, it would be someone that maybe if they uh, were to move back in the first round, um, they, they might target, um, and, and he would fit what they'd be looking for in terms of a, a first and second down back, and, and he could potentially uh, develop into a guy that they could trust on third down as well um, and, and give Thompson a little bit more of a, of a breather. Um, but he, Darius guys is the, is the number one guy. Uh, maybe someone like, um, Sonny Michelle from, uh, Georgia or Nick Chubb from, from Georgia would be two guys, um, that they might target in the second round. Um, they're both very good runners. Sonny's a, 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 quicker guy and, and a little bit more explosive, a little bit more of a home run hitter than the, what they've had typically in, in Washington. Um, Chubb kind of fits more of the mold as the kind of back that they've looked for in the past, um, but that kind of back hasn't worked out for them so far. So I don't know whether they would potentially look um, to, to change that kind of profile of back that they like um, because it hasn't quite worked out for them or whether they they just feel like they haven't found the right guy, but they still want that kind of guy. Um, so the two Georgia backs would be where I would think they might look in the second round.
3: Let's talk a little bit about the offensive line, which had a lot of injuries last year. Um, and even when healthy, it doesn't look entirely enticing. There are some pieces there. Trent Williams at left tackle is very good. And then you have Brandon Scherf at right guard. Uh, two, two good pieces that you can build around. Um, but is the offensive line something that the team is looking to address in the draft? You know, maybe in the second or third round.
1: Uh, yeah, I think the the main position that they're concerned about is left guard. Um, from th- their actual starting offensive line, they're they're pretty happy with. They've they've got as you say Trent Williams at left tackle, uh, Brandon Sheriff at right guard. They're very happy with. They, they love those two. Um, Morgan Moses at right tackle um, might not be the biggest name, but they they paid him a pretty big contract a few years ago um, to be their long-term right tackle. Um, and at center, they drafted Chase Rouzier last year, who um, has, has they, they've liked how he's developed this year, um, and and he played a, a couple of games um, after some injuries to other starters. So, um, but left guard is the spot that is the is vacant on their offensive line, and they don't have anyone um, on their roster right now that's jumping out and saying, yes, this is my spot. I'm going to lock it down. Um, so potentially um depending on what they do with the running back situation it it would be left guard might be a position that they would target as high as the second round um they obviously they don't have that third round pick um which because they gave it up for alex smith but um they they might look more in the fourth round if if they if they prioritize a running back which i assume they probably would prioritize a running back um then they they might look sort of fourth round fifth round for um a, a candidate at left guard that could come in and and compete for the starting job there. But otherwise, I think, um, assuming everyone comes back healthy, which um, is somewhat of an assumption at this point, um, given the number of injuries they had last year, it was absurd. They were signing guys off the street on Friday and Saturday and playing them sunday and and they were starting that sunday so it it was it was ridiculous what they went through last year on on the offensive line so um if they get everyone back healthy i think they'll be pretty happy with four out of five spots but it's it's the left guard spot that they would probably look to address
3: so it seems like the the dream scenario for them um because i don't i mean saquon barkley isn't falling to pick 13 uh but i mean quentin nelson i mean you never know guards Aren't normally a, uh, a position of priority in the draft, but Quentin Nelson is one of the best players in this draft. He could go in the top 10, but it's possible he could slip to 13. If he's there, do you think the team would draft him?
1: I, I certainly think they would consider it. Um, it'd be whether they like maybe a defensive lineman uh, more. Um, they, they would probably prioritize a defensive lineman over a guard. Um, certainly. Um, I think you'd be right in saying that Nelson would be the best player available. Um, and if, if they have him graded that much higher than any defensive lineman, I don't think they would be able to pass up on him. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily think that that's kind of the thing they're targeting. I don't, I don't think they'd be looking at taking a guard that early after having taken Brandon Sheriff. And, and they know they they need to pay Brandon Sheriff soon. Um that they kind of are looking for a cheaper option at guard given that they have money tied up in in Trent Williams and Morgan Moses and, and they've got Brandon Sheriff to pay within the next year or two I think they're looking for a kind of cheaper second to fourth round guard that could fill in and start and, and be on a cheaper rookie contract for a little bit
3: well let's talk just a little bit about the the defensive line last year uh, Jonathan Allen fell to them uh, at pick 17 in the first round. He's a guy who you know potentially could have gone in the, the top 10, maybe top five, so great value for them in getting him. But you said they might look uh, to address the defensive line. What is it that you see right now in the defensive line and what they are looking to improve specifically?
1: Yeah, they they were pretty happy with with Jonathan Allen uh, last year, but he only played uh, I think it was five or six games before he got injured. Um, and then when he went down injured, their run defense absolutely was terrible. Um, it, 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 to start the year, um, they, they they played pretty well, um, and and they had um, Zach Brown and Mason Foster at linebacker behind a defensive line with, which contained Jonathan Allen and and um, some other guys, um, and and they they were. Pretty pretty stout against the run, but then they lost Allen and and they lost um, Mason Foster, and then their their run defense went shot, and they and they couldn't uh, stop the run uh, at all. So I, th- I think what they'd be looking for is another sort of top potential uh, defensive tackle, either. In interior, they, they've not really had a nose tackle since they've transitioned to a 3-4, um, but they, they don't play a typical two-gap 3-4. They play more of a one-gap penetrating 3-4, kind of the way that Wade Phillips runs his defense, um, wh- where they have... It's a 3-4 personnel, but they, they play at one-gap, kind of more 4-3 style. Um, and so they'd be looking for, rather than necessarily a big stout guy um, that, that can't pass rush, they'd want someone that... Um, is maybe a little bit lighter, but could offer them something as, as a pass rusher as well as stopping the run. Um, so that you'd be looking at guys like uh, Deron Payne, I think, would be pretty high on their list. Um, Vita, Vey, they, the, uh, Vita Veya, sorry, I'm sure they'd be um, pretty happy with as he is that kind of that big prototypical nose tackle, and and he's more athletic than um, than most people at his size. Um, but I'm not sure given how raw he is as a pass rusher, um, he he's mainly gets by on his his athleticism at this point in, as a pass rusher, um, whether they'd be more inclined to go with Deron Payne, who he, he isn't a necessarily a massively developed pass rusher at this point, Payne, but he has more um, moves in his arsenal and he, he has um, a better technique from being an Alabama guy. So someone that could give them it's some pass rush potential as as a interior pairing with Jonathan Allen in in nickel packages, but in base could play sort of nose um, and and one technique and shades over the center and uh, and take on double teams and stop the run as well um, would be kind of their ideal situation in in the first round I would think.
3: Any thoughts on Maurice Hurst or Taven Bryan? I mean, both of those guys are smaller, so I don't know if they would have the capability to do what the Redskins would be looking for, but do you have any thoughts on them?
1: Yeah, uh, Hurst would be uh, an interesting option. Obviously, there's there's the question about his um, his heart condition, wherever that was at the Combine, um, but he seems to have been cleared for that now. So um, the the first step burst that he has would be appealing to anyone, I think. Um, but I think that he's more of a guy that they would have as a defensive end in the three, four rather than a defensive tackle. Cause he doesn't have, uh, sorry, a nose tackle. Cause he's, he's a little bit undersized, which is absolutely fine when you have that kind of burst that he has, but it's not the prototypical nose tackle kind of role that they, they, I think they're looking for, um, which someone like a, a Payne or a veer could, could fit a little bit better.
3: Okay. So, uh, I'm curious a little bit about your thoughts on the the linebacking unit. Um, As you mentioned, uh, Mason Foster was out. They have Zach Brown there. Um, But any thoughts on where they, they could improve or if they're looking to do anything with that unit?
1: Uh, I th- I think they would have been a, l- a little bit more urgent about linebacker had they not been able to re-sign Zach Brown. Um, but they managed to get him back on a, a, a relatively team-friendly deal, um, and and they brought back Mason Foster as well after um, it, with with him looking to be a little bit more healthy this year. Um, and they th- those two were a, a very strong pair for them at the start of last year, um, it, but then they both suffered injuries, um, as just about everyone on the Redskins roster did last year. So. Um, with, with those two back and healthy, I think they're they're pretty set as, in terms of starters there, um, and and they have a couple of depth guys. They have um, some some younger guys that they're developing. Um, Josh Harvey Clemens, they they liked last year. Um, they transitioned him from safety safety to linebacker. Um, they've got Martrell Spate, who I think they, they they like as a sort of a depth guy. Um, Zach Vigil played well, um, another depth guy. So they've got some options there as backups, um, and, and they're pretty happy with their starters. But if if the, there's no real defensive tackle on the board that they like, if, say, Vea and Payne go early, um, and, and a guy like Rokon Smith or, or Tremaine Edmonds was there, I don't think they would necessarily pass on them um, because of Brown and Foster. But at the same time, I, I think if you have one of those defensive tackles there. If it's a choice of a defensive tackle and a linebacker, they're going to go defensive tackle nine times out of 10, I would imagine. All
3: right, Mark, this has been a lot of fun. One last question here, uh, and specifically about the defensive back unit. So, uh, in a number of mock drafts, people have given the Redskins, uh, in the first round, a safety, uh, Derwin James or a cornerback, whether that's Denzel Ward, Josh Jackson, or Minka Fitzpatrick, uh what are your thoughts on the, the defensive back group and then out of the potential first round defensive backs, who do you think would fit well in that unit?
1: Uh I think the the Redskins are probably a little bit higher on their defensive back unit than than people outside the organization are. Um obviously they they lost Bashad Brevin to free agency, um and Kendall Fuller was was part of the Alex smith trade and, and that one hurt because they really liked Kendall Fuller, um, and, and he really came on last year. Um, so they lost two starters. Um, obviously, they still have Josh Norman, and then behind him they have a bunch of guys that m- most people outside of, of the D.C. area wouldn't have heard of. But they are very high on Quinton Dunbar, who they've spent a lot of time developing him. They they He was an undrafted free agent wide receiver out of Florida, and they converted him to cornerback. And he's been developing for sort of three years now as as a corner, and they they really like where he's at. Um, He's probably set to be the starter on the outside. Uh, They also drafted Fabian Moreau last year in the third round. Um, He could have been a higher pick, but he had a uh, an injury. I think it was a torn pec um, last year that kind of forced him down draft boards because of the injury Um, and he hardly played at all last year because they had quite a bit of depth at corner at that time Um, so they're looking for him to take a step up Um, and then they signed Orlando Skandrick as as a guy that could um, play in the slot and and he could play outside in base and kick inside to the slot um, when teams go three wide receivers so um, I think they're a little bit happier with their their cornerback unit than than most people outside the organization might think they are, um, but certainly if if a guy like Derwin James was there or Minka Fitzpatrick, um, I'm, I'm I'm sure they would be happy to have one of those guys as as a guy that could sort of switch between being a, a safety in, in base packages and and uh, maybe a, a nickel corner in in nickel packages. Um, I, I think they'd certainly be happy to have either one of those two um, purely on, on a talent basis. Um, if either one were to fall to 13.
3: All right. Uh, last question here. So let's assume that at pick 13, uh, either one of those two defensive backs, uh, Derwin James or Fitzpatrick, or uh, one of the two potential nose tackles, Duran Payne or Vita Vea, uh, you know, th- there are options there where they can choose between nose tackle and defensive back. You think they're going with nose tackle?
1: Yeah, I think um of those four, I, I think they would go more in the direction of, of maybe Jerome Payne. Um, if Minka Fitzpatrick's there, I think purely because on a talent basis, he's probably the most talented of the group. They might consider him and he might be the pick. But um, in terms of if if you're just looking at position-wise, yes, they would probably edge towards more defensive tackle than they would safety.
3: Uh, Mark, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. And uh, we hope to get another chance to talk with you again as the season gets closer. Uh, Absolutely.
1: It It was good fun.
3: We just finished speaking with Mark Bullock, a Redskins contributor to the Washington Post. We covered a lot. Here are some of my general thoughts on what we discussed. Uh, We started with the conversation of the transition from quarterback Kirk Cousins to Alex Smith. Uh, Man, this was really the storyline of free agency, what was going to happen with Kirk Cousins. Alex Smith had a really good year last year. Um, I mean, people know this, but they always... Tend to think of it as something that was still very uh, contained and due to the system that he was in, and that uh, there was still a lot of ups and downs during the year. Uh, But overall, he finished uh, with a league high 8.6 adjusted yards per attempt. That is a really significant number. Um, You know, to lead the league, a guy really has to be pushing the ball downfield and, uh, you know, completing touchdowns, not just. Getting long completions, but they have to be looking to him as someone who, uh, for a, a relatively or in, an elevated majority of his passes, is getting touchdowns uh, and also limiting interceptions. And Alex Smith did a good job of that. Uh, his 26 touchdowns last year, that's the highest mark of his career, and his five interceptions last year, uh, you know, tied for a career low if you're, you know, not counting one of his early seasons when he played only seven games. Uh, so, you know, the, the best, one of the best quarterbacks in terms of efficiency in the league last year, uh, also the best season that we've had, um, in general. So on the one hand, you can say, yeah, like Alex Smith last year really had a great season. On the other hand, it never is really a good idea to buy high on uh, quarterback efficiency, um, just look at Matt Ryan and you can think of this in terms of like an actual NFL team, or you could look at this in terms of fantasy value. And the clear example is Matt Ryan with his fantasy value last year in 2016, he was a league MVP. Uh, let me look this up really quick. I believe that he led the league uh, in adjusted yards per attempt uh, in his MVP season. Yeah. 9.3. Uh, you know, he had the best statistical season of his career And then there was major, and I should say expected, regression uh, to something very close to his career numbers in 2017. Uh, Given that Alex Smith is going to a new system, uh, and given that he played much better than he's ever played in his career last year, we should expect to see some regression. Uh, So, you know, that's unfortunate for the Redskins. On top of that, it's not just regression from what they might expect from Alex Smith it is uh, a legitimate subtraction in terms of what they got consistently from Kirk Cousins to what they are likely to get this year with Alex Smith um because as as great as Alex Smith was and as good as he could be in this offense um it is unlikely that someone is going to have an offense as well suited to him as the one that Andy Reed was able to to put together for him for 5 years in Kansas City. Reed is very good at managing his quarterbacks and building around them. Um it's It's almost unthinkable that Alex Smith, even if if this team runs more of an RPO-centric scheme. And by the way, I think Alex Smith would do well in that scheme. He played under Urban Meyer. I mean, this was years ago, but Urban Meyer in college at Utah, right? So uh, I think he could do well in that scheme. But even if the Redskins are very good at adjusting their system to him, I still think it's unlikely that he's going to be able to do something... um, predictably close to what to what Kirk Cousins did for the team over the last three years Uh, I mean people people tend to think that Cousins is just this kind of mediocre quarterback because in his three years as a starter the team was right around 500 right he went nine and seven his first year eight, seven, and one his second year, and seven and nine last year. And people look at it and see like, oh, well, he didn't win. He he wasn't a hashtag quarterback wins guy. I mean, that has actually very little to do with whether he is a good quarterback or not. um He completed, in his three full seasons as a starter, uh, exactly 67% of his passes. He had 7.8 adjusted yards per attempt that's not an elite mark that, but that is a pretty good mark. Um, I mean, just to, to put some context, context to that. and, And remember this spans three seasons. Like that is a pretty significant, uh, amount of data that you can have based on three seasons. But just looking over the last three seasons, you know, what did Aaron Rodgers do in his last three seasons? Uh, and, and granted Uh, you know, some of that was injured. So if you go maybe even look at what he did for four seasons, what did Aaron Rodgers do over his last four seasons? He had seven, uh, sorry, he had 8.1 adjusted yards per attempt. If you take out his 2014 season and look at what he did over the last three years, you get 7.5. You know, so it's not to say that Kirk Cousins is better than Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, he has he has done significant things through his first three seasons as a starter to show that he has upside. If you look at Jameis Winston, who was the number one pick, right? I think most people would say that Jameis Winston has exhibited significant potential to this point in his career. He's completed 60.8% of his passes in three seasons. Again, compare that to Kirk Cousins, 67% of his passes. Jameis Winston, 7.1 adjusted yards per attempt. Kirk Cousins, 7.8. Who is going to be better moving forward, Jameis Winston or Kirk Cousins? It really might be Kirk Cousins. Um, I mean, it's blasphemous to compare to Drew Brees, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway. Breeze obviously comes across better, but you know Breeze is uh, 8.0 adjusted yards per attempt, a 70% completion rate. But Breeze is like the only guy in the league, or one of the few guys in the league, add Tom Brady to the list, who, according to certain measures, has consistently been better than Kirk Cousins over the last three years. Um, I mean, look at, at Ben Roethlisberger. adjusted yards per attempt, 65.4% completion rate. And you can look at, you could say like, oh, well, um, you know, Roethlisberger was having to throw more, you know, just like given the team that he was on, he was having to throw the ball more. So cousins is taking advantage of, uh, you know, throwing in, in more optimized situations. Um, that's not the case. Kirk Cousins actually attempted more passes, so not only was he throwing more, but he was throwing better. Um, you know, it's it's a situation where I think Cousins, what he brought to that team, uh, I think it is undervalued, and I think it it will be missed moving forward, even if people don't connect the dots. I mean, what, I mean, he was in a horrible situation last year. The offense lost 2,000 yard wide receivers and it was without its main receiving playmaker in, um, in Jordan Reed and he still had a great season. So, uh, I think with Alex Smith coming in new offense, new receivers, and, I mean, let's just talk about the receiving unit, but n- new receivers, it's going to be hard, I think, for him to to do, even Al- as good as Alex Smith is. I think he's undervalued. But uh, as good as he is, I think it's going to be hard for him to approximate what Kirk Cousins was able to give to the team on a reliable and predictable basis the last three seasons. Uh, I mean, a big part of that is the pass-catching unit. Um, Alex Smith has been at his best when he has had dynamic... Pass catchers around him. Uh, look, last year, you know Tyree Kill is a very explosive guy. Uh, he had a good receiving back out of the backfield, and he might have that this year if Chris Thompson is able to return to health. But you know it's not for certain. Um, and Travis Kelsey, obviously, if Jordan Reed is healthy, he could be a Travis Kelsey esque type of uh, approximation. But we don't know if he's going to be healthy. Uh, And so you just look at the wide receivers, Jamison Crowder, he's not a number one receiver. Um, He's a, he's a good supplemental piece, right? But he's not a number one receiver. So you're looking at this point and hoping that Josh Doxson develops and is able to, to become a, a reliable target for Alex Smith. Um, You know, Doxson as a former first rounder, maybe he develops. He had some promise. He's, he's shown some things. He's flashed. Entering his third season, I don't know, you know, it might be a a point where someone could look to buy him cheap in Dynasty, uh, especially because a lot of his rookie year was wiped out because of injury. So last year really was the first extended opportunity that he had to work within an offense and the the first opportunity that the market really had to evaluate him as an NFL player. Um, So, you know, there's potential there with him, um, but, you know, nothing is certain. Um, so it, it could be a really bad situation for the offense. If, uh, if Alex Smith doesn't play at the, the peak, the peak production level he had last year, which I think it's basically guaranteed that he's not going to play at that level. Um, l- looking at the running back situation, uh, this is really interesting to me. Um, Darius Geis, I think he, I think he's probably, Overdrafted if he's selected at the 13th pick, but I do like him, and it is a a great class for running back value, and I think if the team is looking to go with a nose tackle in the first round, um, there is the possibility that they could trade down. Uh, so Vitavea, Deron Payne, I think one of those guys will probably be available below pick 13. Right? So, if they want one of those guys, potentially they could trade down um, uh, you know, maybe into the, you know, the high teens. Right? so at this point it'd be low teens, I'm trying cuz you think of it backwards, but you know, maybe they move down to like 18 or maybe they move down to, you know, 22, 23, they're still able to get one of those guys. And then they can build up extra draft capital. Uh, Maybe get another second rounder. Maybe they can get a third rounder. They can do something, uh, you know, getting back a third rounder that they traded away to Alex Smith, you know, to to kind of compensate for that. Uh, And then they could use one of those picks on, on a running back because it is uh, a good class for depth at the position. Uh, So it, it might be in that round two, round three range, if they're able to get back a third rounder where they do actually look to attack the running back position. Um, a quick thought on Samaje Pirine. I'm not sold that he has, uh, no potential at at this point. Um, I don't think he's going to get a, a very prolonged shot, especially if the team brings in a guy who has, uh, more draft capital. Um, and Pirine did have a really poor season just in terms of uh, like yards per attempt 3.4 like that is that's trash that's horrible that is uh like Melvin Gordon rookie year level type of trash at the same time there are pretty good players who have also had um, you know in their first seasons subpar rushing averages and later on have actually been fairly competent um you know P Ryan entered the league as someone who, wasn't expected to do much as a receiver, uh, but he actually did pretty well. He had 22 receptions on 24 targets. Like, that's actually pretty good. Um, 8.3 yards per reception. Like, that's that's not bad at all for a running back. Like, it's very possible that Pirine, as, as a big-bodied guy, could be more well-rounded than people think. Um, people kind of forget that he had really like one of the greatest true freshman rushing seasons of all time at Oklahoma. Uh, And then in his second and third seasons there, he didn't do much as a receiver because the team had Joe Mixon. Um, But it is possible that Pirine really could be better than people are giving him credit for and better than he exhibited as a runner in his rookie season. And it's possible he could be, almost as good as he exhibited as a receiver as, as a rookie, because he really was pretty good as a rookie last year, just in, in the receiving game uh, and, and what they asked him to do. Uh, so, you know, just to, as a kind of side note to the, the rookie conversation, it might be premature for them to give up at this point on Samaj P Ryan. And if, if there is some bullishness on him, um, then maybe they don't address the running back position quite so soon, um, but it, it you know from all accounts it doesn't seem as if they are very pleased with what they saw out of him last year. So it wouldn't be surprising if in you know the day two range round uh, round two round three they looked at someone. Uh, you know, I have running back rankings at Fantasy Labs, and I've also done a Roto World piece that looks at the the top five running backs in my rankings. And gives uh, comparable players based on, uh, you know, biophysical profile, college production, expected draft position. Um, you know, Rashad Penny is someone I think could do really well in uh, in a system like that uh, with Alex Smith. It's not as if Rashad Penny is um, is basically this year's version of Kareem Hunt. Um, but there are a lot of similarities between them. And uh, like Hunt, Rashad Penny is a very well-rounded player. Uh, the, the comp I have for him is Larry Johnson. And in part, that has to do with the fact that uh, Penny was so dynamic as a return man in college, uh, scoring, I believe, seven kick return touchdowns and one punt return touchdown uh, in his final three seasons. Uh, and for a guy of his size to be able to do that, uh, to exhibit the the elusiveness and the long speed, uh, that is very rare. And the last player, uh, the last kind of volume-based back, or not even volume-based back, just the last back of that size to do that in college was Larry Johnson. To have a, a punt return touchdown and a kick return touchdown in and, and rushing and receiving scores in the last in the last season. Um, The last guy to do that before Rashad Penny was Larry Johnson. Uh, So Penny is, you know, people have talked about, and he had a fantastic combine. People have talked about him as starting to move up. I still think that he gets drafted um, probably more in round three, maybe even early round four, but it's potential he could go. uh, It's potential. It's possible he could go in, in round two, round three, uh, early round three. Uh, but I, I think he's someone who could do well. Um, Darius Geis, I think, will be off the board by then. Uh, but Nick Chubb was someone that we mentioned. Um, my player comp for him is Jonathan Stewart, uh, just in terms of how productive he was in college and the the size and the, frankly, surprising physical abilities that he showed at the Combine. Uh, 4.5, 240. Uh, at 227 pounds, that definitely is like that. That's good. That gets it done, right? And I, I think 40 time might be overrated a little bit for running backs anyway. Um, but he definitely showed the ability to have good straight line speed at his size, and then his uh agility marks were decent for his size. Um, you know, so he's a guy who you know, three years ago was thought of as like the clear cut, easy number one running back in the class, um, I think there's still a lot of talent there. And he showed at the combine that uh, his his injury, you know, that he suffered as a sophomore in college, really hasn't sapped him of his athleticism. Or if it has, then it just means that he had otherworldly athleticism to begin with. And now he's just merely uh, a highly above average NFL athlete. Uh, and then one guy who is really intriguing is Royce Freeman. Uh, the running back out of Oregon, who, uh, like Chubb, kind of surprisingly showed good straight line speed and good agility for his size. Better agility than Chubb, actually. Um, and, you know, one thing, it, it, it was somewhat difficult to come up with a comp for him. But, you know, one thing about Freeman is that uh, although he didn't have any one season that was huge, Hugely impressive as a receiver. Um, He did have some pretty good receiving production in college. uh, And for a guy of his size to do that is pretty rare. Uh, And it it makes him comparable, or let me rephrase that. It makes him a slightly less interesting version of Le'Veon Bell, Uh, but you can't say that, right? Like that's almost like taking the Lord's name in vain. So the, the comp that I gave is Leonard Fournette as sort of like a slightly smaller, less athletic, uh, much cheaper version of the guy who was the number one running back off the board last year. And it's because of his, his size, uh, his athleticism with it, his prolonged college production. Uh, And then also his functional ability as a receiver. And we saw that from Fournette last year. Uh, Freeman is similar. Freeman is someone who would be great uh, as a day two pick uh, for the Redskins, right? But whether they go with one of those guys or they go in a different direction, this is a big class for running back value. Uh, And I guess it's fortunate that they are in a position where uh, their need matches up with the, the value that the class offers. Uh, so it will be definitely interesting to see what they do on the first day of the draft. If they stay at 13 or if they trade down, if they can still get one of those nose tackles that they want, uh, and then what they're able to do, uh, if they're able to get any extra picks on day two and then what they do with those. That's going to do it for this Redskins focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz in the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt of the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz of Radio, the flagship Rotoviz Podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colin Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rodoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, at Gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rodoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, Rotoviz.com podcast.